0: Good morning, congregation of First Baptist Church. This is May 17th. We welcome you to our services and hope that you will enjoy opening the Word of God with us this morning and listening to what God has for us. I want to start this morning with a word of prayer, praying again for the great needs of the many sick, many who have lost loved ones, the many out of work who are suffering financially, and others who are suffering at this time. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and just ask His blessing. Lord, we come to You, and we bring our requests to the throne of God. We pray for the many sick in our church, the many sick in the country through the virus. Many have lost loved ones, but many are suffering other conditions. Whether it be cancer or whatever. We pray for those, especially in our midst. We lift up, Lord, uh, those in need. There are many out of work, there are many not knowing where their next paycheck is coming from, not knowing how they're going to buy groceries or pay the electric bill. And Lord, we acknowledge the suffering that people are experiencing. At this time when we ask for grace and help, we ask Lord and plead for our brothers and for our fellow Americans. Lord, we come to you in prayer and we ask based as our sermon today on the power of God. Lord, let your grace reign and bring forth great things. Even through us, through First Baptist Church of China Grove. Lord, we ask this blessing In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I hope that you're weathering through and some of you have attended our drive-up service. And for that, we're very thankful. And that is going really well. We did that as a blessing to the people. And it's been a blessing to me to be there and be with people. As I said, I went from preaching to pews to preaching to cars, but that's okay. There were people in the cars, and that's a lot better. Well, a verse we've kind of adopted, and we want to begin with this this morning, Second Timothy 1, seven has kind of been our verse throughout this time. And it said, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Let me say that again. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I want to talk about one of those this morning, the power of God, the supernatural power of God, actually, that we have actually received through the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And how that we sometimes underestimate the power of God. I've been telling you in my previous sermons how we're victorious. We have overcome. We are, through faith, victorious. But how do we receive this? How do we achieve this? Simply by faith relying on God's power. Consider Paul's words in Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We admit, listen, in our humanity we are frail, our frailty, are lacking, but in God, through the Holy Spirit, we are mighty in God. 2 Corinthians ten four says, "This weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds." And this is true because our God. As I mentioned in my one of my favorite movies, The Ten Commandments is God, and just like the storyline of that, where Pharaoh comes back after his he has seen two million Jews walk across a dry riverbed, the Red Sea. He has seen his entire army enveloped and drowned, in, drowned, excuse me, my English, drowned in the Red Sea. He, I'm still a Southerner at heart, uh, destroyed in the water. And he comes back and he looks at his God and says, his God is God. We face a problem and testimony. We think ourselves weak sometimes. We think we are weak. I can't do this. I can't get through this. I can't make it. But what do the words extra and super bring to mind? Extra and super. Because in God, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about just mediocre, mundane, in the middle. You know, it's like uh, I went in a restaurant one time and I said, I'll have a large drink. And they said, well, the large, and the large was like this size. And I said, not that large. I said, "Better give me a medium." That that was more than a large to me. Uh, when I think of a large drink, I think in some places it's a medium, but uh, and in some places you get a, a large and it's just very small. But theirs was unbelievable. I don't. I don't even think I could have carried the large drink. But when we think of God, we should think of everything as extra and super, for He is supernatural. But the word super, and we're going to look at that's in the Bible, actually. And we're going to find that out today, that the word super, these words are extra in intent when talking about God. And and many of the biblical words can only be described by the translators as super. So what does God do for us? What does God have for us? Well, it begins in chapter 3, let's look there, of of Ephesians, chapter 3 of Ephesians is where we're going to begin this morning. And it says to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him that is able to do and here we go, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's the Holy Spirit. It says God is able to do, and that word exceedingly abundant, if you gave it a modern translation, would simply say that He is able to do super abundantly. Super abundantly. You know, we think of Superman. Powers. But God is able to do super things. And it means excessive, beyond more, superior, superabundant. And let's just kind of roll and mull that around for a moment. Is that normally what we think of our lives in Christ? Or do we think of our lives in Christ as we're, we're struggling and I can't get through this and, and uh, it's so hard? You know, that's not what God intended for us. If we're going to be victorious in Christ, we have to move forward. We have to realize that God has more than just the regular, the medium for us. He has that big drink that's too big to carry almost. And so God has that for us. It's it, God can do that for us. He wants to do that for us. So what can God do for us? It says, "Look to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge." We can't know the love of Christ. That passes knowledge unless God makes it available. So, does God's blessing and power provide extra for us? Well, let's look at Matthew 14. Matthew 14. In Matthew 14 through 20, they have a meeting. Thousands of people are there, they're hungry. And the disciples want to dismiss the people let them go home. And Jesus says, no, don't do that. But they brought Jesus. He said, bring the food here. And they had five loaves and two fishes. And they said, Lord, we have five loaves and two fishes. What is that among so many? What is five loaves and two fishes Among so many. It's meager. And we might come to God and we might look at ourselves and say, Lord, I'm just meager. What what can you do with me? What can you do with my life? What can you do in my life? I have all these problems and situations. I'm battling this. Maybe I'm battling depression. Whatever. illness." What can God, what can you do in my life? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, if you let Him, God can do miraculous things. Through the power of God in us, He will do above anything that we ask or think. Isn't that what the Scriptures just said I just read in Ephesians? More than we ask, more than we think what can God do? So we might say to the disciples, it's too bad they couldn't read Ephesians 3.20. They would have had the answer. They would have said, Lord, two fishes and five loaves of bread are plenty. Because you can do above all that we ask or think. Through your power. And that's why we have to rely on his power. And his power in us through the Holy Spirit. Because... More can be done. Well, what did they do? Jesus blessed it. They started passing out the fish and bread. And guess what? Everybody was fed. No, more than that. They, they loaded up the leftovers and there were 12 baskets full. When God goes to do something, he does it in a super. Abundant way you see God wanted to show forth his power and Jesus here wanted to show forth his power I might as well say he's divine in the flesh by not only supplying all that they needed and we think of God supplies all my needs but God could do even more than that and here Jesus is saying that not only was there enough food to feed them there was left over twelve baskets. And they no doubt took and fed the poor or, or someone with it. I think they rounded up and did that. So, how wonderful it is when God's power gets involved, what can you do? Well, Elijah, during the time of the drought in the time of Ahab, went to a widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17. And he said, and she said, I only have a little flour and a little oil. He said, go and make me something to eat. She took all the flour and oil that she had and ate. And guess what? Her flour and oil, the entire drought, never ran out. And when the drought was over, at the end of the drought, the barrel was full. Amen. 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 What can God do? I think we need to stop sometimes and quit looking at our inadequacies. And we're saying, well, Lord, I can't do. Yeah, but what can God do? Don't look at what we can do. What can God do? What can God do with First Baptist Church? God can do things beyond anything we can think Or believe if we just act on that. David, when he went to fight Goliath, put five stones in his pocket. A Bible scholar once told me that Goliath had four brothers, and David was preparing to take on them if he had to. I don't know that he was preparing to do that, but that sounds good. But he put five stones in his pocket. He only needed one. So God did exceedingly abundant there. And it talks about in the New Testament, God's love is shed abroad, and that means overflowing out of our heart to others, like a glass overflowing with water. So folks, God's power and blessing, what does it provide? Super abundantly, More than we ask or think. More than we, you see, I'm sure the disciples thought even if Jesus performs a miracle here and feeds all these people, it won't be much. Maybe they thought it might be a small portion and he might feed all of them as a miracle. But I'm sure in their minds they never thought there would be 12 baskets left. Who would have thought that? That's above anything I guarantee you, even the ones that believed in Jesus, were thinking could happen. Well, Let's ask our que- ourselves the question, are we living in the power of God? And I direct you to Romans chapter 12 this morning. Romans chapter 12, and let's ask ourselves that question. And I don't know why, every time I preach up here, my nose starts itching. Pray that Satan will quit uh, causing me to itch. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's our reasonable service, to present ourselves before Him and to a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Most people think that is, whoa, that's super. That's the super Christian. No, that's the average Christian. Yeah. And be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, here's the power of God at work in our lives. When we present ourselves a willing sacrifice unto him to serve him, he promises then to begin the process of changing us of renewing our mind, transforming us into a better person, a more powerful Christian. And this is what happens when we're about living in the power of God. We have to do that. Let me ask you something. Are you always satisfied with just doing the minimal or acceptable? What will that get us? Uh... What, we do, what do we do in our work? What, what if you did that in, on your job, just doing the minimal, never any extra effort? Uh, what do we do in our lives? And unfortunately, a lot of us are yo-yo in our spiritual lives. We go up and down, up and down. Is that what God wants or does he want more of us? Well, answer the question, does he want more of us? Does God want us to do more? Well, I want to direct your attention this morning to some people who did just that. 2 Corinthians, if you look there, chapter 8. Let's look at some Christians who actually did this very thing, who gave God more of their life. Matter of fact, God is going to tell us here that they did more than humanly possible. You say, that's not possible. It is with God. Remember, we always tell the coach, Coach, I gave hundred and ten percent. Well in this case, they gave hundred and ten percent. Well, let's look at the situation. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one through four. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God, and the grace of God is important here, bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. See, the church the grace of God brings that power. How then in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, and their joyful, and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift to take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, And this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. And I direct your attention also to verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through poverty might be made rich. We are all rich in Jesus, let me tell you. But what kind of people are these? Well, God had given them grace. God gives grace when you ask it. They said, Lord, there is a need. We want to meet that need. We want to be the ones to meet that need, but we don't have the money. Help us. They were poor. Yet somehow, through a miracle, God provided them the money. And in their poverty here, it says, it abounded unto the joy uh, and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. They were were poor, and yet the result was they gave more to God. And here's that word abound then. Uh, The word here, again, is superabound. Superabounded. Okay, we have that addition. God did more. This is the presence and power of God in our lives. Extra. These are superhero Christians. They didn't have the money to help, but they did it anyway. And Paul says beyond of their own power, beyond of their own power, their own ability. And he's not talking about the power of God here. He's ta- he says beyond their ability, their means. These Christians that were poor gave sacrificially and entreated us, begged us, verse 4, to take the gifts given to the saints. I've had a few cases... In my ministry, where that's happened. I've had people who have written checks to the church for building projects, whatever. And I knew it was so sacrificial that I had trouble. And in two occasions at least, I have taken the check and went back to the individuals involved and said to them, I know that you really cannot afford this. And so I'm bringing you the check back with the to say thank you for your gift, but to say, would you rather rethink this? And folks, can I tell you that in both cases, The individual said, no, I want to give this gift. One said, Pastor, and I'll never forget this, Pastor, don't rob people of their blessing. I'm going to be blessed for this. I know. He was sacrificial. and By the way, God did bless in both cases. Uh, One lady was renting a house, and she gave a sacrificial gift. I think later she was able to buy a house. And I saw God bless both of those families in a great way. And these are superhero Christians. In verses 5, it says, They gave themselves first unto the Lord. In verse 12, If there be a willing mind, a willing mind, you have to have a willing heart and mind to give yourself to God. That's what we have to do. And I'm challenging the people of First Baptist this morning to not be satisfied with the minimum. Don't be satisfied with the medium drink. Get God's results. Get God's results. In your service, don't be content with the minimum. Don't be content with what's just acceptable. We, through the power of God, can do more and more than we ask or think in Jesus Christ. We have that power and ability. We have that power and ability. This is borne out in the fact of the way that God called us. I want to direct your attention finally back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 26, where you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He has chosen the weak things of the world to confound things which are mighty. The base things of the world are the things which are despised as God chosen, yea, to bring the things which are not, to bring the, the not the things that are. Who has God chosen? Did He choose the wise men? It says in verse twenty. Did He choose uh, the wise, the wisdom of the world? No. The wisdom of the world do not God. So God didn't choose the wise. And when He went to look for when he, God goes to look for servants, He doesn't look for wise, beautiful, talented. Who does he look for? He says that he'll use the base things. God can use any vessel to confound the wise. He can use any vessel with his power to defeat the world. So the vessel's really not important. Our abilities and our good looks are not really important. If you have good looks, if you're fortunate enough to have good looks, But none of those things matter in the household of God when God is using people, and I've seen it many times. I've seen God use pastors to build great churches, and you'd look at them and say, how could God use them? How could God use Paul? Paul said his presence was weak, his his speech was contemptible, and he himself physically was not a pleasant person to look at. And how did God use Paul? Because of the power of God. How does He use us? How is He going to use our church? The power of God, my friend. And it's a challenge today. If He had used all wise people, then the glory would have went to them. We'd say, oh, well, they listen because these are great wise men. But God doesn't choose that. God chooses to use us Through the power of God. Lastly. When God works in our lives. He's adding icing to the cake. The cake's already sweet. But what about that wonderful icing? I know Crystal makes an icing. And she uses. uh, I don't know. Something in it. And she says that's my favorite icing. And it's on a. On a kind of a. It's a. Carrot cake or spice cake, I don't know, something like that. I don't understand what a spice cake is. I just know I like it. I don't even know what a spice cake is. But when we make God number one, and what does it say over there in 2 Corinthians 8? They gave themselves. They were willing heart. If you got a willing heart and you give yourself to the Lord... That's the icing. Then God starts putting some icing on there. John 1, 12 and 16. You receive Him, become the power, uh, power to become the sons of God. Verse 16, it says, and of the fullness we have all received grace for grace. Folks, that means grace layered upon grace. Grace heaped upon grace. And when God has His fullness in your heart and you are surrendered to Him, He's adding dessert to the cake. It's like that in those desserts, you know, you get it longhorn. Boy, I love their desserts. Chocolate cake with a thick chocolate icing with chocolate candy in it. Whew. Can it get any better than that? Cover it with some chocolate syrup, by the way. Super grace. Grace heaped above grace. Super abounding. Superpower. Extra. This is what God's all about. God's not doing what we we sit down and think as maybe a committee, well, we can grow the church this much. What can God do? That's the question we all need to ask in every committee, in every meeting, in, in deacons and pastors. We all need to ask not what we can do, but what can God do? Spiritually, we're once poor, but because of Jesus we have already read it. He became poor that we might be made rich, folks. That we might be made rich. You say, well, I haven't gotten the check. I haven't got my stimulus check yet. Yeah, but, you know, Jesus gives a stimulus check. It's not money. But he will make you, he will give you, he will make you rich in spirit and faith. And rich in the power of God. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus, though he was rich, he became poor for us that through his poverty we might be made rich. Romans 8, 32, He who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not freely give us all things? I want to close this way, this morning, talking about the power of God. And my, 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 I challenge you, people of First Baptist Church, grab the power of God. No, not gold, but the power of God, and hold on to it. Isn't it amazing? Those words are similar. Some people are reaching for the power of gold, but they will be very disappointed. In the preaching of the cross in 1 Corinthians 1:18, God is talking about His power versus the world's power. Look at this verse. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I love that verse. The world looks at Christianity and some laugh. I once laughed. I was once on the outside. At 18 years old, I was on the outside looking at my Christian good Christian friend laughing at him, making fun of him. But then I got saved. (laughs) The power of God met me one day. And I said, Jesus, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to trust you. You said you loved me. You died for my sins. I accept you. I accept you for what you did. I accept you for who you are. And my heart was filled with the love of God. My heart was filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the power of God came into my heart and I was saved. And I didn't laugh anymore. And I went to the Christians that I defended and made fun of and asked for their forgiveness. Some treated me like Paul at first, they thought I was just kidding around. And I had to make them know it's real. I've really accepted Jesus. I'm saved. Please forgive me. I was wrong. And I've cited many cases and stories about that. I'm not the only one that that ever happened to. I cited recently the story of the Chicago writer, newspaper writer, who went to disprove Christianity. There have been others. Voltaire, the great. Uh, Atheists had a friend, and they were going to destroy the Bible. And they, one, Voltaire took the Old Testament. His friend took the New Testament. His friend finally contacted him halfway through the New Testament and said, I can't do this any longer. And Voltaire said, why? And he says, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Folks, the power of God. Power through His Word. Power through the cross. Power through the Gospel. The power of God can overcome anything. And the power of God in our heart can overcome anything. It it has in history. It will now and it will forever. We just have to trust. And let that take hold. But here today, the cross. Have you come to the cross... Have you, have you come to that cross so despised by the world but so loved by the believer? The cross is where we, make, we get our forgiveness. The cross is where Jesus died. It's where the grace of God, grace heaped upon grace, came upon us where we are saved. We're saved by trusting Jesus as the one who died there on that cross and gave His life on that cross that we might have life. And friend, if you haven't trusted Him, Trust Him now. Call upon Him. Say, Jesus, I believe in You. I trust You as my personal Savior from sin. Make me a child of God. And if you do that, my friend, you call upon Jesus, He will save you. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe that? Believe it. It's true. It's true. Do like me. Jesus, I'm going to take a chance on you. And you know what? That was a pretty good thing. It turned out pretty good for me. It will turn out well for you. Good night or a good day. God bless. We love you in Christ. And farewell from First Baptist Church.